Welcome to SoQuest, an adventure in sewing and life. I'm Erin. And I'm Caroline. We're from Spool and Spindle, an online fabric store located in Waterloo, Ontario. We're recording this podcast on the traditional lands of the Anishinaabe, Haudenosaunee, and Neutral peoples. Well, shall we just get right into it? Sure. All right. Monica Sew would love some tips about being ergonomic while sewing and keeping healthy habits when you get into a project. Yeah, that's great. I know I've definitely like been sore from sewing. Oh, yeah. One thing you can do is not cut out your stuff on the floor because you know, crawling around on the floor is not always uh, the most ergonomic option. So you want to make your cutting surface as high enough that you uh, can use it comfortably. Same for your sewing surface. Just like when you're using a computer, having the ideal height is one where your like elbows don't flare out and you aren't hunched over. Probably also that you're not like stretched too far if yeah. you don't want it to be too high. Your knees should be at right angles. You want lots of lower back support as you're like sitting at your sewing machine. Having your feet flat on the floor, it's not always possible, but it's nice. You know, you can get specialized tables and chairs that like can raise and lower and be uh, different heights, but those can get expensive. Probably want to take lots of stretching breaks and try not to do too many repetitive movements over and over again. That's when you'll start to get a lot of strain. How about you? Do you have any specific tips? Um, yeah, I think it was my mother-in-law told me to use my left foot to sew instead of my right because it yeah. keeps you like centered. And I've been doing that and it does seem to help weirdly. Oh, interesting. I also kind of like that I use a different foot for driving than for sewing. Mm. But also I got a pair of scissors that have a spring in them. Oh. So when I'm cutting things out, it cuts out half of that muscle stuff. Right. Yeah. <laughs> muscle stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Apparently, also, it's really important to vary your focal distance to avoid eye strain. Oh, yeah. 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 So they're they're actually seeing um, a lot more of the population needs glasses, like as we're using more screens and stuff. And uh, they feel it's not the screens, it's the like focusing. Like if you don't use your long distance, you lose it, apparently. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. Because you don't practice using those muscles to change yeah. focus. Huh. I mean, I'm not an optician, so... This is what I've been told by my optician, though, so or optometrist. Vary the focal distance to try to avoid eye strain. Take frequent breaks. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of like any anything. It's all the same tips as they give you for if you're at a computer all day, right? Yeah, basically, yeah. I've known some people who sewed standing up. I have never um, been able to do it. I feel like it would be harder on your leg muscles because you'd be like holding your foot up a little bit more. Yeah, exactly. But if you're you know, good with that, then yeah, yeah, I can see that working. I mean, that that height for cutting out was always my is always my biggest thing because yeah. I'm tall. So I do have a table that is like countertop height, and oh, it's yeah. like the perfect height for me for cutting stuff out. Yeah, and it does it makes a big difference on your back, but that's not always possible, right? Yeah. So do what you can and take frequent breaks and stretch it out and really watch those wrists and that back for sure yeah yeah one of the tricks that we did at the shop for a while when we were using a dining table as a cutting table in the classroom we we actually got bed risers to put under the feet to raise it up um, oh that's right about like eight inches so that really yeah. helped I felt yeah that made a big difference yeah and it was fairly inexpensive if you only had your dining room table, you could do that. And it's a very temporary solution where you could like raise up your table, do your sewing, and then take it back out to have dinner, you know? 
Yeah, that's true. That's a great solution. Yeah. You probably want to have somebody help you um, lift your table up and down all the time, but uh, (laughs) yeah, you know, (laughs) yeah. I mean, maybe don't just like try to Superman or hook it up. Yeah. Yeah. Strain your back before you even get to sew. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. So we have another question from Instagram here. Lapis Soli would like to know, I would love to hear some advice about sewing your own wedding dress, fabric and pattern suggestions. Okay. I mean, they didn't ask for advice about getting married, but I would say just don't get married. You don't need to. Yeah. I didn't. Me either. I know I just said mother-in-law, but but we didn't actually get married. Okay, so if you must get married, because I hear this is a thing that lots of people do feel strongly about, do want to do. It's a huge project, so leave lots and lots of time. Uh, even more time than you think you need. Like, triple that time. I hear it's very stressful. Yes. The whole, like, planning a wedding. So just be gentle with yourself and leave all that time, but, like, use that time. Definitely make a muslin or several. Yes. Uh, I know you can combine patterns to get the look you want. Like a lot of people will take a bodice from one pattern and a skirt from another. But like wedding fabric can be expensive. So if you're going that sort of traditional route, I would definitely just muslin everything that you can before you cut into that fabric. And maybe buy like a little bit extra fabric to try some of the techniques out first. Yes, Because it is like slippery. It is harder to sew with. It may be a little more intense (laughs) for sewing. I mean, I would advocate for making a dress that you could wear the rest of your life because that that seems really nice to me. But again, I'm a very casual person. So, yeah, I feel like we were not the best people to answer this question. (laughs) Um. (laughs) Our advice is just just don't get married. Yeah. Problem solved. (laughs) I do like that idea of like having a dress that you could wear over and over again because you know there's something nice about that in that it could bring back those memories of that special day for you you can like relive you know those memories over and over again as you wear this dress that maybe it doesn't have to just like be worn once and then live in your closet forever yeah I mean as some people I think really want that like big day and Mm -hmm. the dress and the whole thing yeah I feel I feel like Like us trying to explain why someone wants a wedding is like <laughs> us trying to explain like quantum physics or something. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. But but also like I do get the idea of like you want to do like this big showy project. Yeah. Right. Like that makes sense. So when I think big showy project, I think lots of careful planning, trying different techniques before you do it on the finished item, giving yourself lots of time, muslin, muslin, muslin. Have the right tools, right? Like sharp scissors and the right kind of pins um, so that you're not snagging things, right? Yeah. There are lots of resources online. There's some craftsy classes from Allison Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a Berta course that is Berta Style Academy wedding dress course. Oh. So that that would probably help you more than we can. Yeah. But yeah, like good luck. Send it in just because we didn't want to get married in our individual lives doesn't mean that we can't be excited for you. And I'd love to see your dress. Definitely. Yeah. And the other thing that I was thinking was, you know, if you if it's not something that you're totally confident with that, you know, working with a tailor to help you like either figure out like fit or like adjustments to make help you find like maybe certain techniques that you are having trouble with. They may actually be able to help you um, without needing to do the whole project so that you can do it yourself, but get that expert advice. 
from them yeah. as well, that they might be willing to do that. Of course, like paying them for their time and their skills, but that you do a lot of the, the work yourself. Yeah. Or I see a lot of people who knit their own wedding dresses. Mm-hmm. So they'll wear like a, a store-bought dress as sort of the dress and then they've knit sort of an over, you know, like a lace overlay. Oh, interesting. So there's also lots of ways that you can still feel like you've had an important hand in making that dress without maybe having to bead 20,000 little seed beads onto it yourself. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, if you had somebody else make the dress and then you could just sew those 20,000 seed beads on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I mean, I think do what is realistic in the time you have and the amount of energy you're willing to put into it. And if that means like a huge, big wedding cakey kind of dress, awesome. If that means a dress that you're going to wear the rest of your life on and off also awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Do what works for you. But yeah, just give yourself lots of time and patience and opportunity. I mean, it's a great opportunity to learn a lot of things. Yeah, definitely. And I think being open to the idea that maybe it won't work out and having a backup plan is also a good plan. You know, I would definitely agree with that. Yeah, because that's like, I don't know. Do you do this? I'm always like, oh, I'm going to this thing or I'm going, even like I'm just visiting my family or something. And I'm like, I need all new outfits to do that. I'm going to finally sew up this and this and this. And then the like week before I go, it's just me desperately trying (laughs) to make an unrealistic amount of outfits. Yes, yes. (laughs) I'm going to make a capsule wardrobe. Yeah. So, you know, I think you also do, yeah, absolutely have to leave room and space for failure because that is how we do. It's just how we do. Yeah. Failure sounds harsh, but I mean, for things not working out the way you want them to. Yeah. All right. So, Caroline, is there a trick to attaching sleeves such that there are no puckers along the seam line? I follow instructions to use easing, but it's still very difficult to fit the sleeve into the hole perfectly. Perhaps I should have taken that course on 3D surface mapping while in university. And that's from Debbie. Yeah, Debbie, uh, I I feel you. This this <laughs> is definitely a thing. Yeah, so there's a couple ways you can actually do setting in of sleeves. So you can do them either in the round or when it's flat. And it doesn't really matter what you do. I always thought it did, but it turns out it doesn't for the most part. And it's a lot easier to set them in flat than it is in the round, but you will sometimes end up with a little bit of extra thickness under the arm when you do it flat. If you're trying to do it in the round currently and you're ending up with puckers, um, trying to do it flat might yield better results for you. I took a really great course uh, online from Cashmeret for the Harrison shirt actually, and they showed how to uh, set in the sleeve for that shirt and and it was done flat and she went through a really great tutorial so I recommend that if you have a chance to check that out it's a paid course but it, I don't think it was too expensive but uh, highly recommend and there was a lot of other tricks in there for making like fitted shirts that um, I've I've used in many of my my sewing projects so back to the sleeves <laughs> actually do you have any uh, thoughts there um okay so Should I go through the whole way I do it? Yeah. Okay. So I look at whether there's a lot of ease or a little ease. Okay. Right. And I don't have a really good rubric for what I consider a lot of ease (laughs) or what I consider a little ease. But if I kind of hold the like arm piece up to the arm skies, 
you can kind of see like, oh yeah, I think that's going to fit in. Okay. If I think it's going to like fit in and I can just do it by hand, I pin at the two notches, right? There's two notches on either side. And then I pin that middle notch. Yeah. And then I just keep dividing in half. Okay. Right. So that way you only have to ease in like an inch at a time. Okay. But everything else is held together. Yeah. So, you know, you'll have like maybe eight pins or nine pins because you've just kept dividing in half. So it's that section that you're easing in is divided into like eight sections or whatever. You just, as you're sewing, I just pull a little bit and it all sort of flattens out. And then when you give it a good steam or wash it after, the bias that you've sort of stretched just yeah. goes back. It also is helpful if you stay stitch. Oh yeah, yeah. That arm scythe so that it can go back easily. Um, if it has a lot of ease, I do the basting stitch thing. I'm not sure if Debbie, because she says I use instructions to follow easing, but I'm not sure if she's doing the basting stitch thing where you sew a line of stitches between your notches on your sleeve piece, but they need to be closer to the edge of your fabric than mm-hmm. your seam allowances. And then you just, you just pull it just a tiny little bit. Like it's not gathers. It's just helping shape it into that cup shape. Right. And then I do the same pinning thing where I pin the two sides and then the center and then keep cutting the sections in half with my pins. And just keeping that cupped shape of the sleeve as you sew really helps. But I find anchoring it with those pins really makes everything nice and even. And then you don't end up with like that weird chunk that's, too big to ease into the section that you already had. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, to be honest, I don't do a lot of uh, sleeves where I need to ease things in because I do love drop sleeves and that mm. sort of shape. But when I do have to do it, I do it that way because I agree. It is really frustrating. Sometimes too, if there's a lot of ease to get in, sometimes I just cut off some of the sleeve. Huh. Like some patterns have way too much ease for what I want. Yeah. Yeah. And this may depend on your own body and how your shoulders are and how you want it to fit. But uh, yeah, sometimes I just cut off a little top of that sleeve. Interesting. There is a good tutorial for free at Blueprints for Sewing that we'll put in the show notes. Nice. I mean, I think it's good because she does the same technique that I use. (laughs) If that doesn't work for you, then I would try something else. Have you noticed, is there a difference if you're holding the shirt fabric on the bottom or the sleeve fabric when you're sewing? Interesting. I always do the sleeve fabric on top. Yeah. Okay. Always. I think it's easier to get that cupped shape if you have the sleeve on top when you're sewing because it can kind of cup up and around your machine. Yeah. That makes sense. I just find it easier to stretch the bottom piece a little bit, Mm -hmm. right? Like, because if you have the larger piece on the bottom, you're more likely to get like those little tiny gathered bits. Yeah. So that's a good point put the sleeve on top. Yeah. I think that's what I've heard too. And that's what I usually do myself. So yeah, probably a good tip. Now, do you, when you're surging your sleeves, Mm -hmm. do you surge before you set in your sleeve or after? Like surging them together? Well, like just finishing the edge. Oh, um, Because this is always my big dilemma. Like, do I do it before? Because then there's more like fabric movement. Yeah. Right. I would think I would think that if you do it before or do I do it after because it's a cleaner finish and then I only have to surge it once. Yeah. So I'm trying to think if I have ever done that. Um, So the times that I use my serger on my sleeves, I actually just use the serger to set in the sleeve. 
Um, okay. Because I well, just like. How do you finish your seam then? I just don't. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> all right. Well, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, some of the fabrics I've used would just fall apart. Yeah. You're like, I just live with that. That's fine. There, yeah. There's definitely shirts that have holes in them. Um, so. <laughs> I love how honest you just like yeah I mean (laughs) sometimes I pink the edges like if it's a woven that is not going to just disintegrate I'll just pinch I'll just pinch yeah pink the edges (laughs) yes because that's fast and easy and I don't have to get my serger out but I do like having it finished nicely on the inside yeah so I I mean I am more likely to just serge it and like use the serger to like do the whole construction than then sew it and serge the edges. Okay, wait, even on a woven? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but every time I do that, it just, it falls apart. Do you um, top stitch after? Sometimes, yeah. Depends, yeah, not, it, not on something like the sleeve, but on the, no. on certain parts, yeah. Huh, Interesting. <laughs> I just haven't had a lot of luck using my serger as the only method of holding my wolfins together. Yeah. I can see why that would be a, and it does like tend to like sometimes gape a little bit. Like the, you can see the stitches, like they'll stretch out. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's a, a longer stitch length. In which case, sometimes I will go back after I've surged it together construction wise and then do a line of stitching. Um, I mean, I do that too, because yeah. if I'm, if I'm surging, Yeah. I, I, I have done that on occasion, yeah. I really just do whatever is easiest for me at the time and hope it works out. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, it's not best practices, probably, but but there is also, there's always a difference between like when I was teaching what I was teaching and what I would personally do. Yeah. And I know that there are teachers out there who only do exactly what they're teaching yeah. because they are good people with follow through <laughs> <laughs> and attention to detail. Um, but I always kind of feel like as long as you know what you're supposed to do, then you can know when to break the rules. Yeah. 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 I, I feel like at some point it's better to have a finished thing than to have a thing that's like well done. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. It'll be good enough for me. You know, sometimes good enough is better than not done. Yes. There is that. I tend to rush things. Like if I think it's maybe not going to fit to be honest. Yeah. Like sometimes you get kind of through something and you're like, I don't, I don't think this is going to fit right. (laughs) Or this isn't going to be how I thought it was in my head. Yeah. And then I kind of just rush through it. And then I'm always like, well, yeah, it's terrible. And (laughs) I'm always a little bit like, is it terrible? Cause I rushed through it. (laughs) Oh yeah, that's true. It could have been like it, like, yeah. If you had taken the time, it might've been better. Yeah. I feel like we talk a lot about how, all of our sewing mistakes are. <laughs> We're instilling a lot of confidence in our answers by being like, yeah, no, I mean, I just screw everything up. Yeah. Huh. But sometimes when I make something where I'm happy with it, I'm just like, well, of course, like, yeah, I mean, I just made it. It's fine. I know how to do it. Yeah. Like, I, I do feel like it actually might add some confidence in that. Like we are being very honest with, with how we said that's true but yeah whether you find that 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 instills confidence or not i guess is totally up to you <laughs> i think listener. it's just that i i don't think there's any one perfect way to do things because yeah. so many things depend on 
your comfort level, your preference, the fabric that you're using. Like some fabrics you can really just cheat on. They're fine. Yeah. You know, like surging together uh, pajamas for my kids is like the easiest. I don't finish the waistbands properly. I just fold it over and do a twin stitch. They're going to outgrow that in two months anyways. Right. Yes. So there's definitely times I think where just getting it done is more important. Um, and times where you're like, well, I want this to really fit well. And like, and your personality makes a difference too, right? Definitely. Yeah. We, we have people who are like, well, if I just take this in like, like a quarter of an inch. Yeah. Right. If I just pull this seam forward a quarter of an inch. And if you are that person, awesome. I applaud you. Mm-hmm. I am not that person. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, eh, if it's, <laughs> which is maybe a great lead into our, our next question. It's true. It's because true. it's about fitting. So, okay, let's pretend I hate math. I mean, I didn't write this, but this is like fairly applicable to myself as well. I mean, I really love math, but when I'm sewing, I just want to check out and not do math. Only a third of my legging projects turn out to fit me well. The rest are either too tight or too loose. Even when I pick a fabric that meets the stretch requirements listed on the pattern. Is there a math-free method for eyeballing a good fit for leggings? Or am I doomed to finding people on the streets who fit two-thirds of the leggings I've made? Okay. So my teacher response, Mm -hmm. my best practices would be that there's no such thing as eyeballing a good fit. It's close enough. And I guess I'll do that. But if you want a really good fit, you do have to do a little math. But what I would say is get a pair that you do like, like that one third that you do like, use that pattern every time. And the eyeballing part comes with the fabric that you choose. The patterns will say how much stretch you need, or at least the good patterns will say how much stretch you need. Usually you need about 40% stretch for uh, leggings, but they don't ever talk about how much recovery you need. Mm, Yeah. Or they'll say with good recovery, which doesn't like, what does that mean? What's good recovery? Does it recover 50%? Does it recover 100%? Because there's a difference between something that will stretch 40% and recover 100%. Mm-hmm. So it goes back to the exact same size. Yeah. And something that will stretch 40% and has like no recovery. Yeah. So if your fabric is very stretchy with lots of good recovery, you can size up a little bit. So you can just make it a little bit bigger. Yeah. Because that recovery, if it's going to last all day, you sort of, if you cut it to small, if there's too much negative ease in your finished garment is going to feel like compression leggings, right? Whereas if you have something like we had a hemp cotton spandex jersey last year, it has like a medium amount of recovery. It recovers well. It's great for t-shirts and stuff. Mm -hmm. But if you made leggings out of it, it would get a little baggier by the end of the day. Yeah, You know that you want to maybe cut a little bit tighter you know, mm-hmm. so it yeah. doesn't get as baggy. Although you're you're walking a line there yeah. because you're already stretching it out more to start with. Yeah. Right. So it might just get baggier faster. Yeah. Or just be like unpleasantly sheer. Right. And you'll sort of wear out the fabric faster if you cut it too tight. Right. So, you know, there's the eyeballing kind of comes in with what kind of fabric you're using. But I mean, recovery, man, it's... It's tricky, right? Yeah. And the weight of the fabric, like Ponty, people are making leggings out of Ponty all the time. Mm-hmm. And I tried to make a pair and I was like, how do you guys wear this? <laughs> <laughs> you know, or I've seen like leggings made out of scuba. Right. And it's stretchy enough, it's, but it, yeah, it's heavy. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. I guess just look at the recovery 
find that pattern that you really like. Uh, the patterns that I think are the best are actually the ones where you draft it out yes. according to your sizes. So maybe pick a time when you want to do math and draft it, and then you have that pattern. And if you are questioning whether you've cut it too big or too small or whether you're going to, at least if it's too big, you can always cut it down a bit. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But once you have your own leggings pattern that's drafted specifically for you, I think you get a lot closer, yeah. even regardless of what fabric you use. So there's one at mellysews.com and there's one at createeveryday.com. I think you've used the espresso ones, right? Yeah, that's what I, um, that's my kind of default go-to leggings pattern. Um, I really like it. Yeah. Now, do you do uh, leggings with a gusset? Uh, no, that one doesn't have a gusset. Um, it's just like, has just like the normal seam. Oh yeah. Does it have side seams? It does. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of like the leggings without side seams. I know I'm considering new leggings patterns to, to make more like running tights that have uh, less seams on the spot parts that run like, especially on the inner leg. Yeah. Uh, so they don't, they don't run rub against my thighs as much. Yeah. I mean, I think that's where your overlocker comes in, right? Yeah. If you finish the seam with like the overlocker. Yeah. And it shouldn't rub as much. That's probably true. Even the like the thread though is still kind of irritating. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Maybe like a, a woolly nylon might be better. Oh, maybe. Yeah. It's supposed to stretch more. It's probably what I should get because my kids are always breaking this interior seams on their pajamas. Yeah. That's like the one thing I make for them is pajamas. Yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> It's just, we got into this thing now where I make them pajamas, but uh, yeah, they're always like breaking those serger seams. Yeah. So the woolly nylon's nice because it stretches a little bit more. It's good for sportswear. Yeah, I should definitely try that. Yeah, I I don't know. I've tried a lot of leggings patterns and I haven't found the one that I'm super happy with yet. I really want one with, with pockets. Pockets would be good. Yeah. yeah. But then you have to have more seams. Yeah. So I was thinking the ones that I have like that are commercially bought that I really like have a side pocket. Um, so they have like a, they actually kind of have two side seams in that they like have most of the seam is on the side then. Yeah. Um, and there's two and then the pocket goes in between them. Yeah. Do they have a like inside seam? Like up your inseam? I think so. I think so. I think they do. Yeah. They must. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I wonder too, if like, maybe it's less irritating if they're like off center a little bit. Yeah like that not I don't mean like that they've like skewed that yeah you have the two side seams yeah pockets are kind of key I went for a walk yesterday and I wanted to take my knitting yeah so I could knit and walk at the same time because you know I'm so graceful <laughs> that that's a reasonable <laughs> thing to expect myself to be able to do for sure. but I didn't have any pockets yeah you have to you'll have to make like a little fanny pack or something for your knitting yeah I hear those are in again. <laughs> they are. They are. And A plus to people who like wearing them. I hate wearing things around my waist, though. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people are wearing them as like a chest strap. Oh, that's true. Yeah. I might. I mean, I guess. I mean, I guess I don't care how I look. So, <laughs> Which is, you know, great when you're into making garments. <laughs> Someone once told me. They were like, well, there's nothing wrong with what you wear. You just clearly dress to be comfortable. <laughs> and it was such a like, kind of a slap in the face, but also very true. Yeah. Yeah. That is definitely like one of those like backhanded comment kind, kind of things. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm like, I'm also like, well, what am I supposed to be uncomfortable so that 
you like the way I look better? That doesn't sound right. No, I am definitely along the same. I, I dress to be comfortable and unapologetically. Yeah, I mean, I could dress to be way more comfortable. Yes. Like I could just wear like caftans and sweatpants. Yes. I mean, now that we're at home all the time, I kind of, you know, might. <laughs> yeah, I've definitely, there's been no hard pants in my rotation. It's all leggings and bamboo jersey t-shirts. Nice. And then if we are going for a walk, I put on like a button up, but I still wear leggings. Like I just yeah. don't care anymore, apparently. Yeah. I was actually like exercising the other day and I, I just put on like a sports bra and leggings and I was just exercising in that. I was in, in the house and running on the yeah. treadmill. And then I like caught a glimpse of myself in the reflection in the window because it was night. So it was dark out. And I was like, you know, I actually look kind of nice. I like this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I was like, can I just wear a sports bra outside? I don't actually know. Yeah. Is that acceptable? I, yeah. like, I have no idea. <laughs> I see people just exercising in like a sports bra and or what I assume is a sports bra. Maybe they have two layers, but like a bathing suit is just a bra, right? That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. I think you totally could. Also... I mean, as long as your bits are covered legally, you're okay. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I could actually just go topless legally now. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, we've been able to do that for a long time, haven't we? No, just no one does. Yeah. Again, patriarchy. So, I mean, do you want to run topless, I guess, is the thing. Not really, no. No. I feel like it would be uncomfortable. Yeah. Comfort's the big thing. Yes. I don't know. Do you think a lot of people have like embraced that or when everyone's back to whatever society looks like after this, are they going to be super fashion, all hard pants? I kind of, I have worries that we're going to go back to so much of what we had before that people are just going to like. Yeah, that gives me major anxiety. (laughs) Yeah. There's just going to be like, yeah, okay, we can go back. And then like the people that were very comfortable in the in the old ways of doing things are possibly still going to be the dominant uh, culture and take us back there. Yeah. Like, I mean, I want to see people, I guess that was the most introverted statement (laughs) that has ever been said. I want to see people, I guess, but yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people really like working from home. Yeah. I really hate that sort of sentiment. That's like, Oh, we can't have people working from home because we can't see what they're doing. Right. Yeah, that bothers me so much. Like, why did you hire people you can't trust? Like, why did you hire them? Yeah. (laughs) Also, okay, so if they're sitting in an office for eight hours and they're only doing six hours of work, you're just wasting two of their hours. Yeah, exactly. So I I personally think I've had a lot better work-life balance, Mm -hmm. right? Because I don't, for me, work-life balance isn't I only work between these hours and that's it. Yeah. Work-life balance is like, I am able to get all the things done that I need to get done. Yes. So does that mean that I'm getting up from making fabric listings and I go and put the laundry on? Yeah. Right? Yeah. It does. Because like that laundry takes a second to put on and then I come back. As long as I get my work done, I don't think it matters. No how long you're working in the day right like so maybe some days I work three hours but then maybe other days I'm working like 12 right Right. yeah it all kind of balances out and I mean I'm guilty of like checking the shop's email at like 11 o'clock at night and stuff but you know I'm I'm taking those breaks to to do things around my house as well 
Yeah, I find the same thing too, where, and especially I feel less guilty about working at odd hours um, in that I can, I can balance that better with the, the things that I, I want to do and need to do outside of work that, you know, maybe doing some work at eight or nine o'clock at night is not an issue because, you know, I, I was able to, you know, go run an errand in the middle of the day without it being an issue. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I used to just work out of the shop and I didn't have any access to all that stuff. So I had to physically be in the shop to do like listings and stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's just so much better. Like I can work when I feel creative. Yeah. Right. If I have a migraine or something, I can just go lie down. Yeah. I don't have to try to work through because I don't have the tools to do it anywhere else. Exactly. Yeah. Or, you know, if one of the children interrupts me for something, <laughs> you know, it used to be like, oh, it got to the point uh, one winter where I was being called into the school so many times to pick up a sick kid who was not, I want to make it clear, they were not sick when I took them to school. Right. Um that every time the phone would ring in the shop, like we'd all just be like, I'd like start getting my jacket on. <laughs> like we just knew it was going to be for me. And it was going to be the school. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. So, but then, you know, I, I take them home and take care of them. But if I have the tools to do my job at home as well, I really liked, I like being able to, you know, they're all set and now I can catch up on something. Yeah. I mean, I guess the difference is maybe too, if you really like your job or not. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. And some jobs you just can't do from home, right? Like you absolutely just, like the yeah. people that are doing fulfillment at the store. They can't they can't cut your orders at home. They don't have all it's the fabric. True. <laughs> it's true. And that's definitely a job where like like even though I'm working weird hours, I really try to not involve them. Yes. <laughs> like I'm I'm not like sending them instructions at nine o'clock at night, right? Yeah. Like yeah. they have set hours for sure. Yeah. But even there, I think there's a little, because we are online, there's room for them to, you know, as long as they're there for the pickup hours. Yeah. Yeah. We give them the flexibility to work on the schedule that makes sense for them outside of the set pickup hours. Yeah. I mean, we did set the set pickup hours with their input though. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's important for people to have some autonomy in their, in their work. (laughs) No, I mean, I enjoy that. Why wouldn't I want these other people to have as much as they can as well exactly yeah right and I mean I think if people do want to go in and to an office they should be able to yes but I just want to have that flexibility for everyone yeah definitely yeah and I do wonder like the people that are going to want to go back into the office and and when they get there if because everybody isn't there anymore whether it will have the same effect that they remember it having that they're looking for right where they had socialization and and they could like collaborate with everybody more easily like yeah are they going to just get there and realize it doesn't fill that need that they thought they were going to fill by going back because it's not the way things were well and have they romanticized it right like you're saying have they are they thinking like sometimes people will be like, oh, I kind of miss like in my twenties when we didn't have any money and we just had to yeah. like, do this. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I mean, looking back, it sounds great. But at the time you were like, this sucks. <laughs> right? like, yeah. yeah, it's very easy to look back and think, Oh man, I, I really miss those were the good times. Yeah. 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 You forget how hard it actually was. <laughs> yeah. So I, I mean, yeah, I, I am lucky to have a job where 
I can kind of do whatever. <laughs> whatever. Yeah, me too. Someone was like, oh, yeah, you can just, you know, you don't need to go in. You can just like leave instructions for the fulfillment team. And I'm like, you misunderstand the relationship the fulfillment team and I have. Yes. I am not in charge. They are in charge. Yeah. 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 Definitely the uh, servant leader kind of uh, model that we have going here where yeah, as leadership, we are really just uh, doing what the team needs from us and uh, following their their directions. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, when you hire people who are just way more smart and competent than you are, yeah, it, you're foolish not to follow their exactly, exactly, right? So they're great. Oh man, <laughs> so lucky. <laughs> so there, there, we made up for we never saw anything correctly with uh, yeah. Look how good we are at hiring people. It's true. It's true. We hired people, <laughs> and they make excellent things. <laughs> Oh, they do. Oh my goodness. We should, we should talk about their stuff sometime. Yeah. We should definitely like bring some of them on. Um, yeah. Steph was like, oh, can I, when I was like, we need to have Steph on. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Maybe next time. Yeah. Yeah. We could definitely ask her. Mm-hmm. I mean, we could have lots of people on. It's true. It's true. Yeah. So, you know, if you're listening to this and you really want to be on this podcast with us, uh, just <laughs> Reach out and let us know. <laughs> okay, so now I'm I'm gonna get emails of people's butt pictures from last episode. Yeah. Uh, questions. Yeah. From last episode, and now request to be on the podcast. Yes. Okay. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything else you you want to tell them to sign our uh, email up for uh, <laughs> for some direct marketing? <laughs> Uh, no, no, I think that was no. all. That's no, all for just now. that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fabric requests, maybe, you know. Yeah. I mean, oh, that was another question we had was how can I make fabric requests? And yeah, just email us. I'll do the best I can. I can't always promise. Yeah, definitely. Things are weird now too. Like logistics chains are still borked from the pandemic. It's true. Yeah, you'd think that it would be sorted out, but no, there's still backlogs and and things. Yeah, it's been interesting because I had to place a lot of the orders for December fabric mm-hmm. in January. Yeah. And I don't know how I'm supposed to know how much fabric we need in <laughs> December. <laughs> right. Because also demand is so variable right now. It's true. Yeah. Um, I feel like fads are both stronger and shorter than they used to be. Yeah. So there'll be like a week where everyone desperately wants the same thing and then nobody wants it next week. So that's tricky. Our like our linen that we finally got in, I was expecting it a couple of months ago. (laughs) Right. And we're getting a lot of like orders from the manufacturers like late or early or they're combining two together. Yeah. All bunched together. So we get like lots of fabric all at once. Yeah. Yeah. The store is very full right now. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard uh, Melissa has been like overloaded with photo taking. So I feel so bad. (laughs) (laughs) It's just so much photos for her to take. Yeah. She's so sweet about it too. And she gets it done super fast and then apologizes for it being so slow. And I'm like, oh no, you don't understand. I'm the one who lists them. I am the like bottleneck here. It is not you getting things done fast. You are getting them done fast. It is me listing them. 
Yeah. It's always so much work to do the listings. I'm glad I don't do it anymore. Yeah. It's a lot of, it's weirdly a lot of work, especially um, with the new website, the way that things are, I have to put in a lot more tags and stuff, Mm. which I probably should have been doing anyways. And that gets a little more complicated. I shouldn't complain though. Like I said, I have the literal best job. Um, oh, I did think of one other thing people could email us about if they, um, yeah, yeah. So I was thinking, um, so in the past I've, I've done some fabric designs, but if, um, if anybody is listening to this and they, um, are a person who draws things or if they know people who draw things and they would be interested in designing some fabric, um, the money is not great, but <laughs> if you are interested um, and would like to do this, um, there you will get paid, but upfront, it is not great money. Um, we uh, would love to work with some more designers to, to make some fabrics. Yeah, absolutely. And we do not need you to be only with us. Yeah. And we don't think that we own the designs after or anything. Like Definitely you would not. retain all copyright and... Yeah, we'll probably do some sort of like royalty uh, model where, you know, depending on how much fabric we sell from you, we would give you a certain amount for each meter. Yeah, that would be cool. So maybe if you're, you know, not a professional designer (laughs) and you just, you know, want to, uh, you have some cool drawings that you think would make great fabric, uh, we'd love to hear from you. I mean, the professionals can too. It's just, yes, we literally cannot pay you what you yes. deserve and not that the non-professionals do not also deserve no, yeah. that but i was like i just talked myself into a terrible corner <laughs> yeah yeah no it's um that you may not be dependent on that income for your yeah. living <laughs> yeah absolutely that, that you um you know just a little extra fabric buying money um yeah it's oh it's a whole thing paying people for what they deserve for their skill and time and craft and yes so uh, on a completely different topic uh what are you excited about this week uh the ongoing fifth anniversary celebrations oh yes are exciting to me yes. uh join the newsletter for some special extras uh i'm also very excited about slime mold because it's fascinating Interesting. it's disgusting but it's fascinating it's completely different than like anything else we know about yeah it's weirdly intelligent it will find the shortest distance between it and something so it can solve mazes oh interesting yeah it can become completely dehydrated into a powder Uh and then reconstituted and it's still alive oh fascinating yeah and it it will like sacrifice parts of it for the greater good huh yeah and it like it moves (laughs) It gets mold that moves. So if there's not enough food, it moves. Huh. Yeah. So do you think it might be a sentient being? I mean, what's your definition of sentient? I don't know. Do you have to be aware that you're sentient to be sentient? Probably. But it might be. And we just might not be able to communicate with it. A hundred percent. That's the problem is that humans are very human centric and only think of themselves like, you know, when we define sentience or creatures that deserve like the same rights. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. I mean, just because we can't communicate with them doesn't mean. Yeah. But it is super cool. They did. Someone did like these things where they would put slime mold on like an approximation of like cities. And then they would put the food at like the other end. Yeah. And the slime mold would make, like it like sends out these little like moldy feelers 
huh. slimy. It looks like it's just it's super gross looking. And, <laughs> but it would it would take the same roots that like subways were. Oh, fascinating! In the actual city, because subways are like the fastest point, right? Yeah. And they did it on like a map of like where there's like ancient Roman ruins and stuff, uh-huh. and it would take the route that the Roman roads went because oh. it's like the fastest point. Yeah. Huh. And they, they don't know how it does that, right? Like, how does it know what the fastest, how does it even sense that the food is there? Right. Yeah. That is, mm, yeah. That always like brings up like these like ethical, like moralistic <laughs> thoughts in me. Like, I'm like, oh, yep. what are we doing? Like, are we, are we destroying all these? Like, are they actually just as smart as we are? Like, like, oh. Yeah. yeah. It's a different type of intelligence. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I think it really points to the fact that intelligence can happen in lots of different ways mm-hmm. yeah. right like we're very used to like oh this thing has a brain yeah and it makes sounds and it acts yeah in different ways yeah but if you look at human history we've been pretty bad at even recognizing that like other humans have intelligence yeah yeah this like is doctors true. used to think that like children didn't feel pain oh that's horrible yes yeah, I mean, it's actually yeah. kind of the opposite. Like, children yeah. feel more pain because they haven't learned to, like, desensitize mm-hmm. themselves to yeah. it. So, yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, humans are kind of horrible. Okay. Um, and <laughs> But slime mold is yes. kind of incredible. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, in defense of humans, we have vaccines. We have roads. We yeah. have, you know, we... We're getting better. We have a lot of good things too. Yeah. yeah. You know, we're just kind of the species that fails upwards, I think. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Right. You know, there's some good things about us. Um, For example, the Wheel of Time. Well, this is a bad example. I'm excited about the Wheel of Time. It's a slightly problematic book series. Okay. But there is going to be an Amazon series made out of it. So I'm excited for that. Um, it was that was a very clunky segue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> I'm rolling with it. Uh, are you familiar with it? No, you, I'm not. Oh, okay. So Robert Jordan wrote it. It's a big, huge series. The books are like a thousand pages long, mm-hmm. 1500 pages, some of them. So I started reading it when I was a teenager. It is from a modern standpoint, problematic for okay. sure. So I'm not really recommending the book series sure. because there's 14 books, I think, and he died before he finished them. Right. So then Brandon Sanderson, who is far less problematic, but probably problematic still in ways that I don't know. Yeah. But apologies if you're not, <laughs> Brandon, because I know you're listening, I'm sure. Um, he finished the books. It was supposed to be one book. He wrote three books, which is very on brand for him. Yeah. Um, so I'm glad we got that conclusion, but I am sort of sad about all the times that I read the series as each new book came out because there's about a million characters. Okay. And characters die and then they come back as like with different names. Oh, that's But weird. they never tell you like right out that it's the same character. You have to just sort of. Oh, I see. Because of the wheel of time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, that's fair. Um, and I mean, the the ending's really kind of, yeah. <laughs> I have a lot of emotions about it, but I'm still really excited that they're finally making this series. You know, there's a lot of stuff in there that I think that they can pull out. You think this series will be less problematic than the book? I really hope so. 
I mean, the books really focus on like the chosen one, which is always a trope that I don't Mm. super enjoy. And the Amazon series seems to be promoting the like female cast members more, which are much more like supporting characters in the book. Yeah. But who I would argue (laughs) do some of the more interesting things. Mm. So we'll see. It's coming out at the end of the year. Okay. Maybe it'll be the new Game of Thrones, which I never watched anyways. No, me either. No. Yeah. We'll see. (laughs) I'm kind of liking this like golden age of television that we've got going on right now. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely lots of uh, new interesting things to watch for sure. So yay humans for making more varied and interesting TV shows of which Wheel of Time may or may not be an example (laughs) of. Yes. I mean, I haven't mentioned Loki in this episode. Now you have. But I will mention <laughs> that they made it canon that he's bisexual. So that was really exciting. I heard that. Yeah. Yeah. That was like a big deal. It shouldn't be a big deal now. Mm-hmm. Like it's 2021, but it is a big deal. It so. is. Because yeah. representation still matters. Oh, it matters so much. Also, aren't we just tired of stories that are like yeah, the same? Definitely. Definitely. So maybe forget Wheel of Time. I don't know. Maybe they'll do something interesting with it. Yeah. I'm excited to see. I, I mean, I'll give it a shot. I don't know the books, so maybe it'll be good. That's true. <laughs> yeah. It's been so long since I've read the books that probably I can just be excited instead of being annoyed. <laughs> For sure. Oh, man. I would be the most excited, though, if they made remade The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings, but like gender swapped it. Oh, yeah. Do like a modern retelling of that could be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Gandalf is just like an amazing, like, like, oh, who would play, play Gandalf? Mm. Like Meryl Streep. Mm. Yeah. That would be great. And all of the um dwarves could just be like sapphic dwarves. I'm here for it. Sounds good. Let's make this happen. Because we have that power. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we were like hey, this episode, we're not going off the rails as much. And now I'm like, <laughs> let me just, let me just pause it. <laughs> okay. Um, so what are you reading and watching lately? Um, right now I'm reading uh, Questland by Carrie Vaughn. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's about a PhD English professor who explores kind of a Disney-esque island. It's populated with robotic monsters that are created by game devs and nerdaloos mm. and like um, Renaissance Fair kind of. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But she has a spec ops team because they're on a mission from like a possibly evil tech billionaire. Okay. It's very nerdy. It's very suspend your disbelief about something it's a little like <laughs> hand wavy about some of the technology yeah but i i'm really enjoying it it's very good yeah it sounds really good i feel like it's like a, or analogous to our podcast here where like you know we're, we're kind of nerdy and we hand wave a lot uh, yeah 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 she makes a lot of like D kind of i lost my train of thought because of <laughs> there's like a giant truck on my street <laughs> she makes a lot of references to D. yeah so because she's with the spec ops team so she'll she'll talk about like them as specific D tropes and stuff are you reading or watching anything i am i don't know if i would recommend any of it though <laughs> 
Did I already talk about the Hank Green book? No, I don't think you did. Yeah. Yeah. So currently I'm reading a beautifully foolish endeavor, which is Hank Green's second novel. Um, it's a sequel to um, an absolutely remarkable thing that um, goes through. And uh, there's, it's kind of like modern day, but um, basically these robots appear, um, giant robots and um, you know, they, figure out whether they're or they try and figure out as humanity worldwide um tries to figure out whether they are there for good or evil um and hijinks ensue yeah they're pretty good so is it the same characters as the first one yeah so it's a definitely a follow-up from the first one um uh i know he said that like he got to the point in the second in the first one where he like reached the climax of the book and was like oh the story's not actually done yet so clearly a sequel needs to happen because there's more to the actual story um so so that's what the second one is 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 wrapping that up Um, interesting yeah the second one is uh it's told from like so the first one is told from april's point of view so april may is the main character in the first one and and um the book is told from like her narrative and the second one is told from at least the parts that I've read so far is told from all of the other characters. Um, uh, they're kind of, it follows on like, um, like a year after the events in the first book. Um, but it's like snippets, um, told by each of the different characters of, uh, their follow-up of what has happened so far after the book. Um, yeah, it's kind of interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Hank Green, there's someone who, I don't know, how does, does he ever get any sleep? He does so much stuff. Yeah, I don't know. They, He's like a vast empire built on just, like, teaching people about science. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, his podcasts and his, like, YouTube channels um, are definitely some of my favorite things to read and watch uh listen to um and john green too like together um but they have like large teams that are working with them so yeah that's true yeah that's true but i rosiana hall's rohal oh what was her name rosiana i can't remember her last name but she's credited like all the time yeah yeah no they're fun for sure the crash course things are really good really really good yeah and they seem to be pretty big on like representation. And, Definitely, yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. And they they talk about like mental health and stuff a lot because they they both have had their own battles with various things. Yeah, John Green yeah. especially, right? Yeah. So yeah, I love the descriptions of him as a child where he would just like like lie down in despair, like just be like, I cannot handle anymore. I I just yeah, I feel that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I love their, like, openness and discussing them. And, um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love that that genuineness. Yes. Like, when people are genuine yeah. in that way. Yeah, yeah there was, yeah, I really there was one uh, Vlogbrothers video that uh, um, John Green did, and he was talking about how he accidentally sent, like, a voice text to one of his 
like close friends where he was like um, doing his like self mantras like to get him through a hard moment and he just like accidentally sent that to a friend and his friend was like I understand what's happening here go you you're awesome (laughs) yeah and I thought that was just like the sweetest thing (laughs) it's also such a nice portrait of like male friendship yes yeah on that note uh should we wrap this up i think we actually have a uh outro thing this time yeah whether it's permanent (laughs) or not you guys can tell us if you like it all right so that's your questions we've been so quest send us your so question Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm stuck on this one either. No, you're not sure about that one? I feel like this is our new bit. It's just me coming up with yes. taglines. And you, yeah, 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 okay. This might, cool. This might be cool. Okay. okay. Well, thanks everyone for listening. Yeah, we've been so quest. Send us your so questions. We just really love to sew. If you got a question, let us know.